Thanks so much for listening to the Clifton Church of Christ sermon podcast. We really appreciate you taking the time to listen, and we hope if ever you're in Clifton, Texas, you'll stop by and say hello. We hope you enjoy this sermon. For the land of the free and the home of the Okay, so the reason I did that was I want you to imagine if I just left it there. And the home of the... Do any of you kind of like feel queasy in your chest? It's because like the music hasn't resolved itself, right? That's how the music works. There's a... Literally, that's part of what you do when you create a song. You have your melody and you want to end on a note that like resolves the melody. And so whenever you hear that and you're... Obviously, y'all couldn't just leave it at the... Y'all had to say the last word, right? You know? Because it's kind of like a brave, you know, like, uh, it can't end resolved like that. And I, I want you to imagine some of your favorite books, some of your favorite movies, or your favorite stories that your family tells. And I want you to just picture that right as you got to the good part, right as you got towards the end, the story just ended, where you didn't know how the rest of the story went. You'd, you'd be left with this, come on, I gotta, I gotta know how this is resolved. Or, or even imagine if uh, something happened and, and you're trying to figure out why exactly it happened and, and you're asking your parents and say, now, why is this happening? And your parent says, because I told you so. You're like, oh, well, I'd... by the way, I say because I told you so a lot, just so you know. For, any, for anyone who's like, I'm not going to do that when I'm a parent, you'll do it, for sure. Um, but there's a certain level at which it's like, well... I don't know if you can quite comprehend what I'm going to try to explain to you why. I don't know if I can put into words exactly why I'm saying you need to do this. But it's because I told you so. And so I'm using all this to say that we as people, especially us here in the Western modern world, do not like unresolved endings. We do not like endings where we're left hanging of what exactly is going to happen, what's going to go on. And, and today... I think we're going to experience that just a little bit with our story for Job. Last week, I introduced the story kind of briefly, and I made us all ask the question, why are we following God? Is it for the blessings that we believe will come from following God, or are we following God because we want a relationship with God? And we see in the story, Job, um, Job is a very relatable character for many people because Job is someone that experiences incredible loss. He loses his family. He loses... Um, his livelihood, and then he even goes through intense physical pain. And I think there are lots of people that'll say a phrase, or you've heard someone say before, that someone has had a Job-like experience, right? And what do they mean? That means that they've been through something incredibly painful and difficult. And that's where we left the story. And so I'm going to try, as best I can, to kind of catch you up on what I think you need to know to get to. That was in chapter 2 where we ended, and now I'm going to try and catch you up on what you need to know for chapter 38. So, got a little bit to cover, but I promise I'll do it uh, fairly succinctly. But what happens is, as soon as all this happens, there's a famous chapter where Job curses the day that he was born. He says, I, I, it would have been better off, God, if you had just not ever let me be born. My life is so bad. It's such a, why, why did you even let this happen? Why, why am I born? It would have been better if I just had never been. And then he has these three friends who come, and they try to help him by trying to explain to him why he's going through what he's going through. Now, some people would say these friends are completely terrible. Some people would say, well, they're probably doing what any of us would do. We try and come alongside our friends who's hurting, and we try to help them make sense of it. And that's what these three friends do. But the way that they do it is not necessarily super helpful because what the overarching message from chapters 
chapter 4 through chapter 37, as these friends try and help Job, is they're basically saying, we know how God works. God's a just God, and He rewards the right, and He punishes, or He rewards those who do right, and He punishes those who do wrong. That's the God that we serve. That's what we know. And so, it would be best for you to just go ahead and admit, admit whatever it is that you did wrong to deserve all this. Ask God for forgiveness, and then, and then he'll, he'll forgive you, and you'll be good again. And Job is adamant. He says, guys, I can't express this enough. I did not do anything wrong. And they're like, okay. And, and it's this constant cycle of them talking to him. They're saying, Job, you know, we know what the fate of the wicked, and what you're going through looks a lot like the fate of the wicked, so you must be wicked. You must have done something wrong. Please just go ahead and apologize and get right with God. I know I did nothing wrong, and he, he's adamant about it. And so here's starting in Job 23. Um, we're going to read, kind of painting a picture of what we need to know before chapter 38. Job 23, verses 2 through 7. Even today my complaint is bitter. God's hand is heavy in spite of my groaning. If only I knew where to find God. If only I could go to His dwelling. I would state my case before Him and, I, and fill my mouth with arguments. I would find out what He would answer me and consider what He would say to me. Would He vigorously oppose me? No. He would not press charges against me. There the upright can establish their innocence before Him. And there I would be delivered forever from my judge. So he's saying, I wish I could find God and present my case to Him. Because I know in the courtroom of God, He would not find me guilty. He would find me innocent. So I, I want to go find Him. I want to present my case. I would like to argue my case before God. I want you to think, many of you probably have gone through something in your life where you have thought, I wish I could talk to God about this. I'd like to know what exactly is going on because I think I've got a pretty good case for why I don't deserve to be going through this. And it is, I think it's so interesting that these three friends are trying to be the ones who say, well, no, we can tell you why you're going through this. And Job's saying like, no, you can't. But God can, and I'd like him to. And so Job continues, and he says, as Job, and Job continued in his discourse, this is in Job 27, a little further on, as surely as God lives... Who has denied me justice? The Almighty who has made my life bitter. As long as I have life within me, the breath of God in my nostrils, my lips will not say anything wicked and my tongue will not utter lies. I will never admit you, never admit you are in the right. He's talking to his friends. He's saying, as long as I live, I'm never going to say that I did something wrong. Till I die, I will not deny my integrity. I will maintain my innocence and never let go of it. My conscience will never reproach me as long as I live. He's saying, as long as I live, I will maintain that I'm innocent. And so in Job 31, I, I at one point was going to read more of Job 31, but I've decided to not read so much of it. He basically lists out all these things. that He says, God, if I did this wrong, convict me. But I didn't do it wrong. He, and he goes through a lot of things. He says... In verse 5 of 31, If I have walked with falsehood, or my feet has hurried after deceit, let God weigh me in honest scales. Like scales, not like, like a skeleton, but you know, like uh, the weighing of scales. Like Lady Justice holds scales and a sword, and she's blind because Justice is blind. She has a, a blindfold on. Anyway, um, uh, I know. I got, I, I went, Catherine knows I just went down a, a nerd rabbit trail real quick. But okay. 
Uh, Let God weigh me in honest scales, and he will know that I am blameless. If I have denied the desires of the poor, this is skipping down to verse 16, or let the eyes of the widow grow weary, if if I've done anything to hurt a poor person or a widow who is in need, if I have kept my bread to myself, not sharing it with the orphan, the fatherless, But from my youth, I reared them as a father would. I took care of them. From my birth, I guided the widow. If I have seen anyone perishing for lack of clothing, or the needy without garments, and their hearts did not bless me, for for warming them with the fleece from my own sheep. I even, I sheared my own sheep's fleece to be able to take, take care of them, keep them warm. Knowing that I had influence in court, then let my arm fall from my shoulder. Let it be broken off at the joint. If I haven't used my strength to help people, then God, take it off, because that's what it's made for, if I haven't done what I was supposed to do. If I have put my trust in gold, or said to pure gold, you are my security. If I have rejoiced over my great wealth, the fortune my hands had gained, then these also would be sins to be judged, for I would have been unfaithful to God on high. Am I in the right spot? Uh, yeah, okay, good. Um, I maybe missed a part there, but... Uh, Verse, uh, in verse 35, this is kind of a summary. Oh, that I had someone to hear me. I sign now my defense. He's basically saying, like, I'm writing it out. Let the Almighty answer me. Let my accuser put his indictment in writing. Surely I would wear it on my shoulder. I would put it on like a crown. I would give him an account of my every step. I would present it to him as to a ruler. So as we've already said, it's pretty clear. God, you need to explain yourself in person to me. You owe me an explanation for why I'm going through. And as much as I'm sure some of you probably get a little bit of goosebumps thinking about saying that to God, like, God, answer for this. I know some of you or you know people who have gone through tragedy and have had a moment where you've said to God, God, give me an explanation for why this is going on. You, you need to tell me why exactly is my marriage falling apart? Because I've been doing what I think is the right thing, and, and do I deserve this? God, why is my loved one sick? I've been doing what I think is right. Tell me. Give me an answer, God, in person. And then in verse 38, we have this famous scene where God comes in the form of a storm, and he speaks to Job. So uh, this I am going... I, I decided also I wasn't going to read all of 38 and all of 39 and all of 40. But one thing I think is important is I don't know exactly what tone to convey here with God. So whatever tone you hear me use, know that there's a chance that's not the right tone. There's a chance that I'm going to say it too calmly. There's a chance I might say it too harsh. We don't know. But I would encourage you to think about what tone you think God might be using here with Job. So Job says, God, I demand an answer. And God shows up. And God speaks out of the storm. And he said, who is it? that obscures my plans with words without knowledge. Brace yourself like a man. By the way, the literal translation is gird up your loins. Basically like, you know, back then the men wore long gowns. And if they wanted to do something active, they had to roll up their their outfit to be able to do something. And God says, brace yourself like a man. I will question you and you shall answer me. Where were you when I laid the earth's foundation? Tell me if you understand. Who marked off its dimensions? Surely you know. Who stretched a measuring line across it? On what were, the footing, were its footings set? Or who laid its cornerstone? While the morning stars sang together and all the angels shouted for joy. 
Who shut up the sea behind doors when it burst forth from the womb? When I made the clouds its garment and wrapped it in thick darkness, when I fixed limits for it and set its doors and bars in place, when I said, this far you may come and no further, where, here is where your proud waves halt. Have you ever given orders to the morning or shown the dawn its place, that it might take the earth by the edges and shake the wicked out of it? The earth takes shape like clay under a seal. Its features stand out like those of a garment. The wicked are denied their light, and their upraised arm is broken. Have you journeyed to the springs of the sea or walked the recesses of the deep, meaning the deep, like at the bottom, bottom of the ocean? Well, kind of, uh, but... Have the gates of death been shown to you? Have you seen the gates of the deepest darkness? Have you comprehended the vast expanses of the earth? Tell me if you know all this. Can you bind the chains of Pleiades? Now he's talking about star constellations. Can you loosen Orion's belt? Can you bring forth the constellations in their seasons? Or lead out the bear with its cubs? Uh, or lead, am I in the right spot? Or lead out the bear with its cubs? By the way, I, I thought that was an important part to conclude for the whole Clifton Cubs, you know. So I thought, a little shout out there. Do you know the laws of the heavens? Can you set up God's dominion over the earth? Can you raise your voice to the clouds and cover yourself with a flood of water? Do you send the lightning bolts on their way? On their way? Do they report to you? Here we are. Who gives the ibis wisdom or gives the rooster understanding? Who has the wisdom to count the clouds? Who can tip over the jar, water jars of the heavens when the dust becomes hard and the clods of earth stick together? Here's the last part I'm going to read about. Job is going to make a little comment and then God's going to finish with a few things. But I'm just going to read these 14 verses as God's last reply. The Lord said to Job, Will the one who contends with the Almighty correct him? Let him who accuses God answer him. Then Job answered the Lord, I am unworthy. How can I reply to you? I put my hand over my mouth. I spoke once, but I have no answer. Twice, but I will say no more. Then the Lord spoke to Job out of the storm. Brace yourself like a man. Oh, let me see. Am I at the right spot? I've been going, okay. Um... Then the Lord spoke to Job out of the storm. Brace yourself like a man. I will question you, and you shall answer me. Would you discredit my justice? Would you condemn me to justify yourself? Do you have an arm? Do you have strength like God's? And can your voice thunder like His? Then adorn yourself with glory and splendor and clothe yourself in honor and majesty. Then you become God. Unleash the fury of your wrath. Look at all who are proud and bring them low. Look at all who are proud and humble them. Crush the wicked where they stand. Bury them all in the dust together. Shroud their faces in the grave. Then I myself will admit to you that your own right hand can save you. If you can do all this, if you can be God yourself, go ahead. And then I'll say that you can be the one that saves. That's what God says to him. And Job's response in Job 42 is, he replies to God and he says, I know that you can do all things. No purpose of yours can be thwarted. You asked me, who is this that obscures my plans without knowledge? Surely I spoke of things I did not understand, things too wonderful for me to know. You said, listen now and I will speak. I will question you and you shall answer me. My ears had heard you, but now my eyes have seen you. Therefore I despise myself and repent in dust and ashes. And so now I have a couple points and a couple takeaways that I want to think about. First, 
God does not actually explain himself to Job. This is the first thing we have to know. Remember when I said earlier, when the unresolved song or when we watch a movie and if the, if you, how many of you ever still watch a movie on a DVD disc anymore, but if it's scratched, you've got maybe like 15 minutes left and all of a sudden the DVD freezes and you're like, oh, what, what happens? What's going to happen? We want, as people, we want God to come and Come and show up to Job and go, this is why this happened to you. This is why you went through what you went through. Let me explain to you. And Job go, thank you. That's what I'm asking for. But God doesn't do that. He doesn't explain himself. And so the first takeaway for us is that God's perspective, as he says so clearly, is infinitely bigger than we can ever grasp. In our life, it's, there's going to be times where we see what's going on. And from our perspective, we think, God, how can you possibly be just with what's going on around us? God, this doesn't seem fair. And we have to be, we have to invite ourselves to consider, as God does with Job, He says, I want you to consider my perspective. Where were you when I created all this? Where were you when all this stuff that you have no grasp of who tells the, the sun to come up in the morning? You have no grasp of who, as He says, set the boundaries of this earth. And I want you to consider the fact that instead of getting an answer, Job is told, Humble yourself because you cannot comprehend all of the things that you want to explain to you, even if you tried. Have you ever heard that people say about God's love? Trying to grasp God's love would be like trying to pour the ocean into a, a soda can. You know, it would just be completely and totally insufficient to pour the ocean into a soda can. I feel the same way about this sermon, about God's wisdom, about God's perspective. If God even tried to tell Job why what happened to him happened, we would never be able to comprehend it. Which brings me to the second point. What Job learned in this experience was not, oh, this is why this happened to me. Job never learned why he suffered, but he did learn humility. And Job is now someone who can trust God no matter what comes, good or bad. Because the next time something good happens in his life, he isn't going to think, well, I know why this happened, because I did all the right things. The next time something bad happens in his life, he's not going to go, well, I know why this happened, because I must have messed up. He knows that no matter what comes, good or bad, he can be humble himself and say, you know what? I don't know. I can't comprehend God's plan in all this. And so in this place of humility, our second takeaway is, is that when we come to this kind of humility, we are invited to a peace and a trust and a fear of the Lord that Job comes to. I mentioned before that in Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, and Job, all three of them come at a completely different perspective, but all three of them have the same exact answer to the question, what does it mean to live well? Proverbs says, the beginning of wisdom is the fear of the Lord. Ecclesiastes says, fear the Lord. Job, after God comes and speaks to him, what is his posture towards God? A reverent fear of God saying, I spoke of things I did not understand. I'm so sorry. And he repented and he said, I can't do more than this. One thing I, I want you to think about is, have you ever noticed that we Christians constantly are asking about God's fairness when something bad happens to us, but we almost never question God's fairness when good things happen to us? When those good things in life happen, we immediately assume it's because we deserve it. Why on earth can I ever comprehend that I won the cosmic lottery to be the son of Alan and Sharon Ritchie? I could have been born anywhere in the world, to any parents in the world. I did nothing to deserve being born of Alan and Sharon Ritchie, and yet it is one of the greatest blessings I could ever comprehend. But I don't spend any time asking God to explain that to me, right? Because we grow up thinking we deserve that. I could have lost the cosmic lottery and grown up a Philadelphia Eagles fan. But, you know, I don't consider that, right? 
We, don't, we only ask the questions of God's fairness whenever we think about the bad things that happen to us. But there is so many blessings in my life that are completely and totally unfair that I have, and yet I don't ever question those. We don't know. And even if God came down and told us, we would never be able to grasp it. And so here is the third and final takeaway. Constantly in the book of Job, the friends are asking Job, or trying to explain to Job why this is happening to him. But yet the book of Job is asking us a different question. The book, the book of Job is asking us, even if God seems unjust, even if we can't comprehend his justice or, his, or his, why things are happening to us, are we still going to trust Him and follow Him like Job does? When your life is ripped away, when your blessings all seem to be gone, when you, like Job, wish you had never been born, will you keep following God and leaning on Him? God tells us we can never grasp why He does what He does, but He also tells us that we will never comprehend His love for us. And that love takes its clearest form in Jesus Christ's death for us. Can any of you comprehend why Jesus did what he did on the cross for us? If you think you can, then you've probably watered down your faith a lot. But if you are at a place where you cannot comprehend it, then you're right in the right spot. So just like we can't comprehend the bad things that happen, we sure can't comprehend the love of Christ, the clearest display of, of that love for us. And I know that it can be very frustrating to not get the answers from God. I know that many of you probably are like, I just wish God would answer this. How many of you have heard someone say, when I get to heaven, I'm going to ask God about this, right? It's because it, it grinds on you. We will not get answers, but we can still receive peace. And which would you rather have, answers or peace? Some of you may be thinking, can I have both? But I think Job is able to have peace, even though he didn't get the answer. I know a lot of people who have gone through tragedy, and none of them have ever heard God say, Here's the reason why you went through this. But through Jesus Christ, many have found peace. That is part of what it means to live well. To be someone that goes through your life where good or bad, whatever happens, your answer is, I can't comprehend this, but I can have peace and know that God is God and He is a part of this. And that every time you find yourself saying, I can't comprehend why this bad thing is happening, I encourage you to remind yourself that we can't comprehend all the good things that are happening or have happened in Jesus Christ. To experience great pain, but to still find peace that passes all understanding. If any of you would like to learn more about this life in Christ, or if any of you have any prayer requests, I'd encourage you to come while we stand and sing.